You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. At least since 2014, that's as far back as I can track, a prayer, a prayer of mine for, for direction for the body. Um, and those things um, have turned out to be not random one-offs or one-and-dones. They've, they've been navigational points for me. They've been anchoring points. They've been north stars, if you will. And the uniqueness, um, the uniqueness of them came when I learned back in 2014 at least that the word that I was sensing or the direction I was sensing for my life actually had a double ring. That since I was the lead pastor of a church called Gateway, that that was a personal ring and it was a corporate ring. And it was a revelation to me to that and that I had to step in and I had to own that. So, so these, these directional words, my encouragement to you is to receive them, to receive them in that way. One is, what is God speaking to me through, through the body in regard to this directional navigational word, and then, and then how do I kind of fold in to what he is speaking to the entire body, right? Because we, we, we are in this together, right? We could have a service without the body, right? You, you could have people sing and someone pray and not have a body. That's just called right, or a service or a concert or, or, or the like. But we're a body, which means nothing gets done, no ministry gets done around here unless we do it together. And the more we do it together, the more ministry happens, the more people are changed, right? So we do this together. So the foundational word speaks to then to us as a body. These, these, these is not um, uh, New Year's resolutions. Um, they're not... Uh, dreams. Um, you know, there's a reason why all the gym memberships get loaded up in January and get ditched in March, right? Um, as a matter of fact, I hear le- every year I hear less and less people talk about New Year's resolutions. And it used to be a big deal, you know, write them down and all this stuff. And, and I think it's become less of a big deal because people have given up on them before they even make them now, right? It's like they have such a short shelf life you know, why, why go ahead and make them? And, and through a little analysis, this is kind of a, this is, you know, just off the cuff today in the sense that it doesn't necessarily apply to a lot of things, but there are reasons why that happens. And I think they could lock in and be something important to you. One is um, most resolutions, um, they lack process, right? We, 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 we pick something out there and, and, and that's what we want, but we don't put any steps to get there, um, I don't know if this is original to Dave Ramsey or not, but I've heard him say it for well over a decade. The difference between a goal and a dream is a plan, right? A plan. So even when we talk about kind of a word, directional word from the Lord, it needs a plan. The second is costs aren't counted when we make just resolutions, right? Every opportunity will forego you taking another opportunity, right? Well, they'll say it's an opportunity cost, Right, so so you, it's, it's, it's not sometimes the bad things that trip us up. It's some of the good things that we do, but there are better things for, for us to do. So sometimes resolutions go un, un, kind of unfulfilled because there's no, no assessment of what the cost is going to be for that, which leads to the next one is that prices aren't paid. Right? Prices aren't paid. I told you this at the beginning of last year that no 
um, there are no shortcuts to worthwhile goals. Last year I said to no destination. There are no shortcuts to worthwhile places. There are prices that have to be paid. They have to be measured. You have to commit to making those. And when you do, then you start achieving the goals in front of you. And they're not just dreams then. They really are goals. So this year, I feel God strongly pushing us in the direction of what I've just called rock solid. Rock solid. Here is the foundational passage of scripture. Luke 6, 46 through 49. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep. Now, dig deep was the first thing I landed on, and it sounded cooler, and I thought it had better logo implications. (laughs) But dig deep is a process, not the goal. Right? If just digging deep. One of the things I love doing at the beach and since I was a kid is dig a hole. I've fallen in some holes kids have dug on beaches, but digging a hole to dig a hole is not the purpose, right? We're trying to dig down to something. What is it? Foundation. Then he goes on and says, when a flood came, when a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice it's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. These words come in Luke on what is known as the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, Matthew will have words on the Sermon on the Mount, which we'll get to some next week. Um, but Jesus is using a literary uh, device called a simile. A simile. Sorry to give you flashbacks, you, you literature majors, right? And so it is, it is trying to demonstrate a point in a more vivid or emphatic manner so that it makes sense, it connects with you, right? So the simile Jesus is laying out here is for you to hear my words and obey those words, you are like someone who digs down deep and puts your life on a strong foundation. That's the, that's the simile. This thing might be hard to grasp, but hear your words, obey your words, but this is the product of when we do that. And then he gives the converse of that. If, if you hear my words and you don't follow my words, then you are like someone who doesn't build on that kind of foundation. Um, uh, here are the four foundational observations that I... I will have from this passage. There's no way to unpack all of them, uh, or I'm going to unpack them. There's no way to fully unpack all of these. So I hope from, from um, pictures and, uh, that you might take, uh, let me also say that every message by Wednesday is on gatewayfranklin.com. All right, where you're under archives. So it has where you can watch a whole service. It has the stripped out audio of just the podcast from the message. And then everything you see on the screen is included there in notes. All right, so that you, there's, you can always have access to that. But here are the four foundational things I want to unpack in our 21 days of fasting and prayer. First, Jesus defines relationships by actions. Jesus defines relationships by actions. Two, rock-solid foundations take deep digging. Rock-solid foundations take deep digging. Three, floods happen to everyone and cause real damage. Four, 
lives rise or fall based on foundations. All right, so there's no way for me to get into all or get deep in all of those. So let's just take a couple shots at the first. um, uh, The NIV reads, you call me Lord. That's a positional term, right? You call me Lord, a positional term. And yet you treat me like a consultant. Right? You maybe you've worked for a company before that's, or maybe you are a consultant, and and you know you, you pay good money to have a consultant consult, and then what happens a lot of times? I've been a part of these where then the next conversations go why the consultant was wrong. Anybody with me? You spend big money, all those zeros. Consultant tells you here are the things I would suggest that you do, and then a group of people get around and start picking those apart to why those aren't accurate. Right? The consultant doesn't really care. They make their money, and you're going to ask them to come back soon to fix what you didn't fix in the first place. Right? Um, now, the message version of this um, kind of undersells the Lord part, but he plays up the, the, the building part. So um, Eugene Peterson says, Why are you so polite with me, always saying, Yes, sir, that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you? These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. I've told you this before. My experience has been I meet a lot of Jesus and people. Jesus and people. A Jesus and person wants the things around Jesus and the words that they understand around you. They want those, but there are a bunch of other ones that really don't sit well with them. So what they want to do is they want to add Jesus to their life, all of the things that they already find convenient, and things that they maybe understand, things that don't rub them the wrong way. And so they build their own faith and their own religion out of part, part and parcel of what God's word is, plus the things that already kind of jive with them, right? That's Jesus and. That's kind of what he's getting to, right? He's getting to when he says, um, they're not mere additions to your life, right? I tell you, this is the, this is the, 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 the quintessential non-self-help book. Right? This is not a self-help book. In fact, the core message of this book is you can't help yourself. That's why you need Jesus. But Jesus came because we can't help ourselves. Right? All right. Um, there are plenty of people that like the idea of Jesus as Savior, but not so much as Jesus as Lord. All right? Lord, this is a positional term. This is a term of complete 100% Authority. It's interesting. One one year, someone in the congregation bought me and Gina, or me. It was me. Uh, a ten foot by ten foot plot of ground in Scotland. And what do you do with a ten foot by ten foot plot in Scotland? Well, you get a certificate that calls you Lord. No one, no one though in my family decided to call me Lord. So, but Lord, Lord is this. I'm giving all ownership, rights, privileges, pleasures. I'm putting them at your feet because you are Lord. I may feel this way, think this way, but what do you think? What do you say? Um, 
there are three phrases, three sentences that I put on my glass board in my office last year. And I can write on this glass board with two different kinds of pens. One, the, the normal erase marker where you can just kind of erase off. But then one other, it's more like a paint marker that you have to actually take a product to to get that off. And these are the only three things that, stay on, that have stayed on that whiteboard all year. And I decided to leave them up this year. Two of these aren't as, as pertinent to now, but they're good life lessons. And the third one, though, fits where we're going. The first thing I wrote, though, was never be afraid of the repercussions of telling the truth in love. One of those repercussions is freedom. No one likes to tell someone that they're coming up short. No one likes to tell someone that they're heading off into a ditch, right? No one, or obviously, no one wants those confrontations. And yet, never underestimate Never underestimate the repercussions of telling the truth in love because somebody needs to hear it. The second is never underestimate the power of a simple prayer offered on behalf of a complex situation, right? In fact, in many cases, that's the only time we pray anyway is when we face a complex situation. Now, my position as lead pastor, a lot of my conversations with you will come in complex situations in your life, things that are well over everybody's head, things that are punches and faces and guts and everything, right? And so if I, if I tell to the cir circumstance, I would never pray. If the circumstance is going to intimidate me and that intimidation caused me to be silent, then I would never pray. But the situation's intimidating and above my head. So what do you do? You never underestimate the power of a simple prayer. Because it's not about the words I say. It's about who I'm saying them to. Right? So this is then a universal principle for us. When you find yourself in situations in your family or when other people try to pull you in and, and, and the situations behind you, do you know that that's why most people end up alone during crisis situations? Is because the people around them, they don't know what to say. Right? And so what they end up doing is withdrawing, and then that person feels that much more alone and vulnerable. Well, what if then as a body, as you as a family, it's not about what I say. It's about who I talk to. Never underestimate. And here's the one that, that's very applicable to this message and to us as a body this year. Never short sell the value of obedience. Never short sell the value of obedience. Um, in my Life 180 reading, I'm, I'm in Samuel now. And there's a very striking passage between the prophet um, and Samuel and Saul the king. Now, I have it underlined almost so many times, it's hard for me to make out the text, which means every time I end up reading that, I go, uh-oh. And basically, it is Samuel telling Saul because of your disobedience, I told you to do this thing and you didn't do this thing. Now the kingdom will be taken from your hands. And it's like, can I have another chance, right? The fact of the matter is when you read Saul's life, yeah, he had those, right? But the pattern here wasn't just a disobedient into one particular thing. Saul had started elevating himself above God. And you, and you say, who does that? Well, you have to evaluate your actions to see whether or not that's what you've done. And so when God gives clear direction through his word or through his spirit in an area and you decide to do something else, I mean, it's scary, but that's what's starting to happen is we're starting to elevate. In, in fact, in that verse of scripture, the, the scary thing it says 
is to obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. Why? For, it's not up there. Don't look for it, Caitlin. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. All right, so he said rebellion is, is like fortune telling. And arrogance like the evil of idolatry. So if I'm arrogant enough to try to follow my own way, what I'm done is I've placed me above God, which means that I've put myself in an idolatrous position. Aren't you glad you came Sunday to hear this message? But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't, don't well, I'll, I'll tell you that later. So, so here's, kind of, here's kind of this takeaway, this idea that um, Jesus defines relationships by actions. The depth of our relationship with God is determined by the depth of our obedience to the word of God. It's, it's, just, it's just the way it is, right? I, 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 you know, I, I remember, I remember my, you know, nodding and telling mom I would do something and not doing it and apologizing later. And that only went so far, right? All right, here's the second one. Rock solid foundations take deep digging. Here's out of the message. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. If you work the words into your life. Now, it's interesting because um, there may be plenty of bakers in, in the congregation. But in the first service, I had one sitting here. And Whitney and I have one sitting here. So think about this. Working, it's, it's working the dough, right? You might have a lot of different ingredients. But until you fold them in and work them in, does it not become its own thing, Right? And so that's kind of, it's almost like mixing metaphors here, right? So if you, work, if you work the words in your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. All right, so I'm probably not going to be able to be a building consultant for anybody, but I have been in the process of building several buildings here. And I've learned more about dirt and septic fields than any pastor should ever have to know. All right, but when we first bought this property... There have been always more cows on this than people. Now, we reversed that in 2013 when we moved in, but always more cows. And so the first thing that had to be done to prepare this place for a building was we had to remove the topsoil, the topsoil off the property. Now, from the house, just to think from the house forward, there was so much topsoil that it was 18 feet wide. It was two stories tall and it was about 30 yards long. Now, did you measure it, Charlie? Well, what I did was I drove my truck on it. It was a fun thing for me. I'd take my truck and I would drive up the ramp thing, the, the, just the earthen ramp, and I'd sit on top of all that dirt and I'd just look around. And then I'd, then I'd drive back down. And the next day, when everybody left, I'd drive my truck back on the top. I'd sit on top of that dirt pile and look. There was, we sold off 150 truckloads of and that was, and that was what we didn't need. There was some soil we needed. So here's, here's my point. It didn't take a lot of effort. Like it didn't take a lot of special machinery to move that topsoil off, right? There was a bulldozer, there was an earth mover. It took them a while, but they just kind of moved it around and moved it off. There, there, are, there are things in our life that really aren't that difficult for us to move out of the way. But it takes time and effort to move them out of the way. That's, that's one of the things first I learned about digging deep, right? Because we had to get the building and the parking lot on a hard clay surface for it to stand. So the first thing that had to be done, you had to get rid of the topsoil. We all have topsoil in our life. Doesn't even have to be bad stuff, right? But, but in order for us to have our, our, our 
life built on a strong foundation, we got to go below the topsoil. So you got to get topsoil. The next thing we ran into was rock. This area is very well known for Tennessee limestone. It's expensive to put up on your buildings, and it's expensive to get out of the ground when it is in the way. Right? But it takes a different kind of machine. A specialized machine had to come and sit over that rock, and it rock wouldn't come out as a rock. It had to come out in pieces. And the only way the pieces came out was a consistent pounding on that piece to get that rock out of there. Now, it wasn't like digging up a whole rock. You only had to get that rock down so you could get a smooth surface. There are stubborn things in each of our lives that have to be gotten out of the way in order for us to have a strong foundation on the words of Christ. We all have them. These are the things that either we don't want to pay attention to, and what we end up doing is we do workarounds. We could have had a very cool-looking driveway out there if we would have left rock. It would have been avoiding the patches that had to be gotten out. It takes effort, more effort, to get out those stubborn places than it does to just move topsoil. It's kind of the next phase you've got to go through in digging deep. The third was I got introduced to a phrase called spoiled soil. Spoiled soil. I remember it because I remember seeing the line item in the contingency fund to remove the spoiled soil. And so I questioned that line in the contingency. I said, oh, we don't need spoiled soil. We're not spoiled around here. You know, remember topsoil? We had to take off this place to get this. This soil is good. And Tyler um, Powell, who was our representative with Bell Construction, I mentioned their name because I'm hoping for a discount later on. And um, was, uh, uh, he said, no, we have to have this in there. And what we realized as they were moving all this heavy equipment on our, pre, on our parking, that some of it started sinking in. So anyone you drive out there and you see a kind of a darker patch of, of asphalt, that's because underneath that was spoiled soil. What's spoiled soil? It is more porous and it can't handle certain levels of load. Looks fine. We obviously put a parking lot over some of that. But under heavy traffic and weight, that porous soil can't hold up and it buckles. Now that, you have to get in and you've got to dig all of that out. I mean, you can't leave spoiled soil in there and build something on top of it. So, and, and just like on our topsoil, we were able to sell it or use it. You can't, no one wants that. You got to pay to haul that stuff off. So we have topsoil. On our, so what are the three levels to go through in order for us to land and build our life on the strong foundation of the word of God? We got to get through some topsoil. And then inevitably when you move that topsoil off, there's going to be some stubborn places. And if you ignore the stubborn places, what you're doing is you're avoiding building there. And then there's some spoiled soil. There's some stuff that's just not healthy and good in our life. And it might drain water well, but you can't build anything on it. And this is a very sobering statement, um, but... Um, there's going to be some digging and some blasting and some excavating that we have to do in our life to get rid of the weak, stubborn, and spoiled elements out of our life so we can build on rock solid.
And I say that to you, I've told you this so many times, but I know we have new people in the room. I have to preach this stuff to me before I ever preach it to you. So whenever I say something like that, it's already been through my filter for over a week. Okay? All right, so that's number two. Number three, floods happen to everyone and they cause real damage. So Gene and I were in Charleston last, last week and um, our beach is our getaway. It's, it's close. I have family there, so we can always go rather cheaply. But I want to show you some pictures of, from one of our walks on the beach. So Hurricane, um, I think it was Ida, 2022, there was a superstorm Adelia, maybe it was Ivan, uh, it, um, in 2023, and then what they call king tides. So it would be the top of the high tides, right? So it's when they start seeing record tides. This is what all of that caused on this level of beach. Go on to the next one. And so you can see how they're trying to rebuild this house and what are they, what are they immediately doing? What are they putting up against the sand? Rock, right? All right, next one. This gives you the scope of how high, it, how high it was. All right, how much erosion had taken place there. And then the next one. And this is, this is what a beach house foundation looks like. So those are um, basically telephone poles. They drive them 16 feet deep into the sand, um, and they're about every eight feet apart. But the interesting thing to me about this is those pillars never go. They never go to rock. It's, it's kind of an engineering trick to put all those pilings at that depth that they kind of start supporting themselves. But it's amazing to me. These are beautiful, very expensive houses on something that just looks like a foundation. My aunt is in insurance or had been for 30, 40 years in South Carolina. And she says that um, if, you build, if you build a house on the beach, inevitably, you're going to see it wash away. Because I've always asked her, you've lived here all your life. You, no beach house, no beach. She, inevitably, it going away, right? There's no place for it to go except in the ocean. I, I'm sorry if you have one of those. I'm, I don't want to, you know, it's a... You know, most people, they just hope that nothing happens while they own it, right? It's like, what's your, for a boat owner, what's the two best days of their life? The day they buy their boat and the day they sell their boat, right? Um, uh, you'll see sometimes on, on these beaches abandoned houses. And I asked her about that. So what? They're just abandoned. She said, that's because the owner owned those buildings outright. I said, what do you mean? Well, when you have a mortgage on something, you're required to have the proper insurance, right? Here you have to have flood insurance. And the insurance is just stupid crazy if you own something on the beach, right? And she said those properties were owned by someone who owned it outright and chose not to do the insurance. So there's, n there's no money or it's not coming from anybody other than their pockets, right? If they're going to rebuild. And how do you sell a piece of property that's underwater, <laughs> literally and figuratively, figuratively, right? So um, this is, uh, the message said, when the river bursts its banks and crashed against the house, nothing can shake it because it was built to last. Here's the phrase, storm level winds and water are inevitable, but following Jesus's words keeps us standing on the rock. It is not possible to go through the course of a year 
and not have shaking kind of winds and forces against you. Is that an accurate statement? Isn't it? Now that is, that goes globally. That goes for our country. That goes for our lives. Hoping, hoping that something doesn't go wrong is not a strategy. Because it's coming. So in order to prepare, we prepare on a strong foundation. And then the winds are going to blow, but I won't be shaken. All right, here's the last one. Lives rise or fall based on foundations. Right, the, the, the old adage is that the higher you want to go up, the deeper you have to go down. Right, because, because, because that deep foundation is what can support something that starts to then be more susceptible to shakes, to winds, and those kind of things. If you're going, you know, if you ever go downtown, right, when you, well, what can they ever build there? Look at that big hole. Well, they, they built that, dug that big hole because they know what they want to build. All right, so it says, but if you just use my words in Bible studies, this is the message translation. And, and the, the thing about the message and Eugene Peterson is it's just so blunt. If you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them in your life, you are like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen, swollen river came crashing in on it, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total Loss. Wow. I know if I look at my life, there can be things that look pretty and beautiful and, um, and, and maybe they're, they're, they have some elements of strength to them. But I am compelled to look deeper to ensure that what his, has been built has been built on the word of God. Because those floods will come. And, and the thing is, depending on how we're building our life, we can withstand certain things. But I really believe what the Lord's calling us to is something deeper. So, so that has a personal implication for your life, and it has a broader implication for our church. Right? Okay, things are good. But if things are going to grow higher in your life, where is it that you have to dig Deeper, And what I love about God is how tender and kind he is when bringing these things to your attention. So I'm going to talk about this 21 days of prayer fasting here in a second. I won't be able to talk about it long. We're going to have to talk about fasting next week. But in the areas of my life, I can hear, I can hear the word of the Lord through my, through, my, through my ears saying, Charlie, you need to push this out of the way. The, the, you need to move, you need to move the, this, this dirt here. I know it looks good. I know it's useful. It's not useful for you. We're, what we're doing and where we're going, this is not useful. You need to push, you need to push this dirt out of the way. And so, you know, like, like a lot of people, you'd push it a little bit out of the way. And say, no, no, it needs to be a little further. So none of this stuff happens like right away. The kindness of God is then, hey, Charlie, Here's some rock over here that now has been exposed. You didn't even really see it or know the impact of it until we got this topsoil out of the way. So we need to be pounding on this. And see, that's a relentless push. That's a separate piece of equipment. That's a new process. 
It's going, it takes a little more to get that stubborn, that rock out of there. But without getting it out, there's no smooth surface. There's no strength. Now the spoiled soil then becomes kind of another conversation. And then that one's a little deeper. It's not just about removing a little rock. It's his still voice that says, this can't live in you any longer. This has lived there too long. You can see the starting impact of that soil on your life. Where we're going, that soil can't exist anymore. See, that, that, that really is the tenderness and the kindness of God. He's trying to bring you and I somewhere. He wants to do more in your life, more in our church's life. And in order to do that, you got to dig down before you build up. If you're tired of being where you are, this is the process. If you're tired of where you are, think about it. Think of the areas of your life. Think about the things that seemingly builds up and collapses, builds up and collapses, builds up and collapses. Okay. Well, those areas, let's start digging. What's immediately in the way? How do you move that? What's the stubborn stuff that you know, you know it. I know mine. Do you know yours? Does anybody know their stubborn stuff that's in there? Okay, so, so it's not like it's going to be a revelation, Right? We know it's there. What are we going to do about it? Are, are, have you grown enough? Are you stable enough? Have, have, you, have you fulfilled everything that God has placed in your life to do? If you have, ignore it. If you haven't, let's dig. And the beauty of a body, of a body, a body is that we're not left to do this alone. There, there, there is a beauty about being with one another. There's a beauty about you having resources that I don't have. There's a beauty about me having resources you don't have. This is stuff we share together. But listen, it's because somebody's going to see your rock. Someone's going to see your topsoil. Someone's going to see your spooled dirt. And if you don't want anybody to see it, then you're pretty going to live with it a lot longer than you would. I believe this is a word from the Lord for somebody. You're going to live with it a whole lot longer than you need to live with it. That if, if, you, if, you, would, drop, if you would drop some pride, I'm not talking about getting up here and telling everybody, but you drop something, drop whatever, whatever shame or pride you have over that area and bring someone else in, right? Uh, I know when, when Dave Ramsey talks about debt, he says the best way to get rid of debt is with a bigger shovel, right? You get more income. That's why you can tack the debt, right? So, so sometimes you just need a bigger shovel than the shovel you have. But if you're willing to reveal that to the Lord and to others, it can get away faster. So lives rise and fall based on foundations. I, really, when I look at it, we have two options. We can dig deep, which means hear and obey, which is a whole nother message series, really, um, or fall hard, which means hear and go away. I can hear and obey, or I can hear or go away, or I can plug my ears up and put earmuffs on that I don't want to know. I don't want to know what, what else is going on, God. So... Um, Real briefly, so I'm going to sh uh, shift here. The reason why I brought this together for us, day one, and here, uh, I had the same kind of looks at the nine o'clock. <laughs> and um, the way I choose to see them is somber and sober, right? Because these are, these, are sober, these are sober words to consider. 
But I don't want you to leave sober. I want you to leave hopeful, right? Because what God brings to us, this kind of stuff that God brings to us is for us to grow. This, this is the thing to be excited about. That there is, there, is, there is growth that will happen because of the depth that we're willing to go. And when you're willing to go deep, you're going to have the capacity to go high. That's not a bad line. Chrissy, work that into a song for me. Put, put my name on it. Um, so fasting, why do we fast? And why fast at the beginning of the year? First, I'll talk about a lot more of this next week. But God goes first. Wherever I put God first in my life, things grow. Wherever I just include him or bring him along, things stay to, to the level in which I can bring them. And so praying first over the first 21 days of the year, um, or you know, the first month of the year, it me has always been me giving my year to God first. Right? You get me first. And I will readjust my schedule in order that you have preeminence. And really, that can mean a lot of things for a lot of different people, but food ends up taking a high prominent place in our life. Right? Listen, I have to, and the benefit is I lose weight every year this time of the year, and that's, that's a good thing. Why? Because you give me so many baked things, and I consume every possible one that I can. Because I have a backstop. I know, in, I know in the beginning of the year, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to eat really much for 21 days, and so it all go away. Um, we, Gene and I and Annie have been done, that. this will be our 19th year to do this. As a church, it would be our 17th year. And you couple fasting with prayer. Fasting, what is fasting? Fasting is I'm creating space for God. I'm pushing something out in order to make room for something to come in, all right? And a lot of things around food. But when I'll break down the biblical fasts and those kind of things, you can also go to um, gatewayfranklin.com slash rock solid. Because this fast starts today, in, in, in theory, I'm, I'm not asking everyone to do 21 days. I'm asking you to consider this as your first for the year. But there will be fasting facts and, and there will be resources from all the ser- some of the sermons I've preached in the past. We'll have links there. Um, we have a book out there called Pray First. The last four chapters or so is on fasting. I had 40 available for the first service. I have 40 available for you. So those books are, are free. I want to encourage you, if this is new to you, let's kind of give room to those that this is new to in order to grab that. It's a new resource. I haven't given that one away before. Um, uh, so that can kind of get you started. But in essence, to me, what, what, what we've done is around what's called a Daniel fast. All right, so Daniel fast is patterned out of a couple chapters in the book of Daniel, where I keep it very, very simple. No meats, no sweets, no caffeine, no bread. And so Gene and I had to start early because the caffeine thing is a big deal for me. Uh, and the older I get, it seems like the more sweet tea I drink. I don't drink coffee, but, but I drink a lot of sweet tea. And this year, my headache was of epic proportions. Like, go to bed headache, right? And what it, what it told me was, wow, have you really gotten that dependent on that sugar and that caffeine over the course of this year? And the answer was, yep, I had. And so it, it reveals certain things also, but I'm creating space. Now, what do you do with the space? Pray. Pray. 
So on the top of my list this year will be around this idea, this digging deep idea. Lord, so this is what I'm encouraging, right? There's a top part. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me in regards to depth and foundation? What are you saying to me in that regard? And then kind of the next tier list for me then is, you know, well, what are the big things that I know I'm facing this year? What, am I, what are the big things I'm facing right now? And those things become part of what I'm praying through in these first 21 days. I come out of these 21 days and I always have a better sense of clarity of what the Lord wants. I come out of these um, with a, a strong, I'm stronger uh, emotionally and spiritually. And I'll tell you, when you finish 21 days of fasting, when you read in scripture when Jesus did 40 days, um, that's when the temptations from the enemy came. So it's not like anybody leaves you alone right after the fast. It's you're equipped for that. You're equipped for that. And if Jesus had to fast, I'll get in line. You know what I'm saying? And so there can be different lengths of time over the 21 days, three days, 10 days, whatever. We'll, 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 go, we'll go through that. Um, but some of you probably already started. Who's already started the fast? Right? So there's plenty of you that, you know, that's, we've done this so often that you kind of already start the fast. Um, it is, a, it is a great way to begin digging deep. Last, real, come on up team, Pers real quick personal story. Why did I start 19 years ago doing this in January? Because there's been plenty of times where Gene and I said, do we have to do it this year? Right? Because I've already got my last hot chicken in, you know, before this started. You know, like, do we have to do it this year? Um, and we always think back, 19 years ago, God called us to leave our church in Atlanta and come here and plant Gateway Church. And they were, that had significant obstacles to it. Who would go with us? What would that team look like? Would anybody go with us? Um, where are we going to live? How are we going to pay for anything? I was going away from a salary to what we were projecting was at least two years with no salary. Uh, how would we even generate any kind of income for the startup costs of the church? Right, there's startup costs. You, know, you just think about it. We were launched. There was rent. There was trailers, there was equipment, there was marketing, there was costs. And so we, we put all those kind of pieces together and it was $300,000. And that's the hurdle we looked at. And so how are we going to do that? We decided that um, our church didn't do a 21-day fast. I'm not even sure how it, how it came up for us. But it was, if we're going to do something we've never done before, we probably should do something we've never done before. See, that's, that's the challenge to all of us. If we want to go someplace we've never been before, we need to consider doing something we've never done before. And so we entered a 21-day uh, prayer and fasting around the Daniel fast. We did some days just water, but, but there was days in there, you know, vegetables, those kind of things. Coming into our last day, a couple from our church, and I don't know if it had been even publicly announced that we were leaving. A couple from our church wanted to take us to lunch and wanted to talk about it. And I said, yes. And Gina, Gina's the rule follower in our family. Gina was like, well, we're not done with our fast. I said, I ain't saying no to this lunch, right? So I'm gonna have a salad, but we're gonna hear what they got to say. And so we're driving there and she said, well, are you gonna, um, are you gonna ask them for anything? And I said, I don't, I don't think so. She said, are you afraid you're gonna ask for too much? Now, after 21 days, man, my faith started really kind of cranking. And I said, no, I'm afraid I'm gonna ask for too little. We finished lunch and they didn't eat. I didn't, we didn't have a chance to say anything. They just immediately sent, come, come in. So um, tell me your plans. Where are you going? Um, I don't even think I told them our budget. And they said, well, um, Dean and Kathy Myers 
are their names. So we, we, we felt directed by God in prayer to give you $2,000. Well, my heart just sank because I'm like, well, that's nice, but are you going to buy for lunch too? You know what I mean? I, and then they said a month for two years. Do the math. All right, it was a sixth of our budget and a lunch coming out of our 21-day fast of a couple I had not asked anything from. And over the course of 90 days, God provided us 100% of that $300,000. Um, shortly after that, Georgette and Harry came on board to come with us. Daniel and Nikki Peterson, some of you know, approached, up, approached me about going when I prayed for a couple to go with us. I had, to, I had to actually beg Harry and Georgetta. But Daniel, <laughs> Daniel and his wife Nikki came to me. So God has done some amazing things over this course of 19 years of praying and fasting. I, I don't say that because this is not a, a mechanism by which to get God to do something. It is a surrender of something very, very basic to each of us, food based out of tons of scriptural examples of putting myself before the Lord and saying, you're first. This January, you're first. And I'm going to demonstrate that because I'm going to lay, push aside some things that give me either comfort or whatever. I'm, I'm pushing them aside and I'm praying to you. And here are some things, Lord, can you give me direction on can you give supply over? Can you give favor to? Can you shine your face on them? Can you redirect what I'm thinking? That's what that is. And so you won't see coffee out there for a couple weeks, so don't get mad at anybody. But I can't do a fast and caffeine be part of that and then offer you ground, fresh ground coffee every single Sunday. Um, I'm not the fasting police. Please don't be the fasting police. Um, you know, um, Keep it simple. But the way to, to walk through this successfully, if I can use that word, is you need to pick how long you're going to do it. You need to pick when you're going to start and what you're going to do. That you determine those things first. In the course of these 21 days, Lord, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast these three days. This is what I'm going to fast. My, my personal belief is if it matters to you, it matters to God. Now, Annie's first fast, when she said she didn't want, she would give up candy, we had to have a conversation about that, right? But she was eight. But even at eight, my daughter put stuff aside in a fast, all right? So you determine how long, what kind, when you're going to start. And do not be surprised at, it's hard. <laughs> there, isn't, there isn't anything easy about this. The headache is real. The stomach growling is real. But to me, I've chosen to hear all of those saying, wow, really? I've gotten that dependent on that? And it causes me to pray more, pray harder, worship harder. All right? So we're going to, as a response for the message today, we are going to settle in on the quintessential rock by taking and receiving, or by receiving communion. I, I, I slipped up when I said take because sometimes we'll use those words, right? We don't take anything from Jesus. He gives it. 
He came first. So he gives. So what do we do? We don't take it. We receive it. And so ushers, if you guys come, the, they're going to pass the plate. There are two cups in here. They're nested together. The bottom contains a cracker. The top uh, contains the juice. These represent the body and the blood of Christ that was given, that was given for us. It's more than a cracker and it's more than juice. This is a sacrament of God that he instituted. If you are in process, like you have, you're coming because you're, you're trying to figure out, is Jesus real? What does he mean in my life? Please, fill, just let, let, the, let, it, let it pass. We are so glad that you're here chasing after the reality who God is. And there will be a day where this will mean a lot to you. For now, just, just observe. Just in your own way, begin asking God, what is this about? But if you believe that he came as a real person, died on a cross, and is risen bodily, now at the right hand of the Father, which the word says is forever making intercession, always interceding on our behalf. That is a, that is a, I'd like to say it's a simple prayer because God's done all the heavy lifting with Christ on the cross. Simplicity means this is not a complex prayer, but it is a giving of myself to him. And if that's what you want to do today, this is the day that you can say, I'm giving myself to him. Then this, what a great way to start your journey with Christ with receiving communion. I want to ask everybody just hold the elements until everybody's served and then I'll come and administer communion. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.